podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Folks, before we get into our interviews today, we need to talk to you about our lovely sponsors. Football, folks, is in full effect, with many teams strutting their stuff. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still bet on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals, to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code Capital Armchair to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And of course, I would be remiss not to mention Manscaped. Folks, support for Bosco's Boys comes from Manscaped, who is the best, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. The holidays are here. Have you made your wish list yet? Our sponsor today has the number one wished-for gift of the year. That's Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming and above-the-belt grooming. I don't know. It says both. Uh, Manscaped is here to ensure you're taking care of your manhood and your nose hair with the new performance package. Uh, the performance package is pretty sweet, guys. Um, it's got the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, and it makes for the perfect gift. Imagine opening an attractive box that says, Your balls will thank you. Yeah, imagine imagine doing that. Uh, with the most sought-after gadgets and scents a person could find. Included in this new package is the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, which is waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered, 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. Look, guys, 79% of partners, that's almost 80%, polled, admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. Why not use the best tools for the job here? And that is the Weed Whacker at Manscaped.com. This bundle also includes the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, butt, and booty. That's right, you can shave your butthole. Not just your penis and balls. You can also apparently shave your body too. And while you're at it, you might as well shave your head and your eyebrows. The dads, they can't stop talking about this. The teens secretly buy this. And the women, they will love you for it. Tis the season to Manscaped, so get yourself, your dad, your brother, your friends, the best gift of all, the Manscaped Performance Package. Let's not forget, it's not just tools that they have. They have liquid formulations like the Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, and Crop Reviver, which is a ball toner. It maximizes your ball hygiene routine. Get the Performance Package now to receive their two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. The Boxers should be a featured item because they're incredibly comfortable. And I've got two of these travel bags. They're pretty freaking nice. It's like a little leather travel bag. I like it a lot. I use it. It's great. The Performance Package is the best value that Manscaped has to offer, and it is hot off the shelves. Get 20% off of free shipping, 20% off and free shipping with the code Capital Armchair at Manscaped.com. Thank you, Manscaped, for making our holes look sexy. That is very vile. Um, get 20% off, guys. Free shipping. Use Capital Armchair at Manscaped.com. Uh, let's start the show. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you. Bosco boys are coming to town. Bosco boys are coming to town. Bosco boys are coming to town. 
Dad's making a list, Grant's checking it twice. They're gonna find out who's naughty and nice. Bosco boys are coming to town. Bosco boys are coming to town. Bosco boys are coming to town. Welcome back to the Bosco's Boys podcast. I'm going solo today, no Scott, but we've got a couple of special guests, um, good friends of the show, starting off with our biggest recurring guest, Mr. Jimmy Goheen. You guys know him as uh, KSU underscore fan. Jimmy, how are you today, my friend? It's been a while. Yeah, it's doing well. Um, just finishing up a semester school and getting ready for Christmas break, which is always a teacher's nice thing especially when you're doing remote learning so I'm ready for that I certainly miss holiday breaks as a student so I can't imagine you know what that's like for you as a (laughs) as a teacher so um but I'm gonna let you cover some basketball today um so let's just get into it um I know we've played I know we've played a game since that (laughs) debacle but we need to rewind a little bit um and maybe I'd like to get hear it from your mouth um overall pulse check of of Bruce Weber's program after the Fort Hayes State loss um how are you feeling well it was it was not only the lowest moment of the Bruce Weber era it was probably the lowest moment of any K-State basketball era going back to the UMKC loss under Woolley in 2004-5 and then the only other low before that would be you know, Asbury's last season, maybe Altman's uh, first season, those were both pretty bad. And I, you know, was kind of a fan starting with maybe Long Kruger's last couple of years. So those are, it's up there with the bottom four moments, but probably the lowest simply because we're talking about a MAAA school that we lost to. And that hasn't happened to K-State since 1945. So um, it was it was really bad. It's just it was embarrassing as a fan. Although I, I mean I don't get caught up in fans making fun of you or whatever. But um, it's just it's just a bad year when you've already lost to Hayes, Fort Hayes, Drake, and UNLV. And UNLV was their first win of the season after being on four. So it's just not very good and disappointing to see the program be at this point right now. Yeah, and I mean, the Fort Hayes State loss was against a team that didn't have a coach on the sideline. Yeah, I mean, it was Luke, also winless. Also winless, a winless Division, Division two. two team without their head coach on the sideline. And it wasn't, uh, you know, a surprising, you know, shocker buzzer beater. We were beaten handily. No. We lost by 16 points, I think, and just inexcusable. Um, and, you know, we've got two wins right now, and they're squeakers against UMKC and Milwaukee. So, do you think – that takes me to my next question. Do you think that Bruce is, you know, truly feeling the heat right now? I, I think he's got to be. Um, he's, he's likely on the way to his worst season um, as a coach in his career. Um, and the problem is last year was his previous worst season in his career. So um, it's one thing to have a really bad season and then recover. Um, but, you know, last year we had 21 losses, finished – 91st in Ken Palm, which, you know, 
that's pretty bad for a Big 12 team to, to be 91st in this era. Um, you look back at Big 12 teams throughout history, and, you know, there's, there's been teams that have finished in the 200s, but those were really bad TCU and Texas Tech teams and Colorado teams and Baylor after a player committed murder. So, I mean, there's been some teams that have been bad, um, but really the last four or five years, the worst a team has been is about 100. So teams have been, even your bad teams have been um, decent in the top third of college basketball, I'll say. And this team's on the pay, on, on pace to be maybe 150 to 160 in Ken Palm, which would be uh, the worst for a Big 12 team since 2015 or so, 2014. So you've, you've got that. You've got the worst defense, not only of Bruce's era, but right now it's the, on pace to be the worst defense at K-State in the, in the three-point shooting era. So that goes back to 1987. So um, as far as efficiency goes, 1.11 points per possession. The next worst is 1.06. So it's a lot worse. It's the worst shooting defense at K-State in that era as well. 57% effective field goal percentage. The next worst is 52%. And then it's the worst two-point percentage defense in that era. So the last 35 years or so, um, we're looking at the worst defense ever at K-State. So, yeah, the roundabout way, um, worst season back-to-back -back for Bruce Weber worst defense he's ever coached um that's hard to overcome as a coach and and especially when your pride and joy has been defense during your whole career yeah and this isn't a season that at least in my opinion you would have thought that bruce would have a decent leash in terms of job security i mean you know combined with him getting basically another hard restart in terms of roster um you know from the ad's perspective you would have to have patience in Bruce this year. Um, even after last year's season, you know, we've seen him do it before getting a hard reset and rebuilding into, you know, a great team that won the big 12, but yeah. also combine that with the pandemic. Obviously it's going to be a difficult year, but somehow if we've managed to get ourselves even lower than our expectations in this deep end scenario where we're flailing with, you know, freshmen and sophomores and trying to find ourselves some sort of identity, so if you're the athletic director, Jimmy, you know, what, what do you do after this start? Where, where is your head at? And particularly after that embarrassing loss, where, where do you see this season? Where do you see Bruce's future? Well, I, I, I would say if, if I'm the AD, um, at this point, I, I don't think it does any good for a program like K-State to fire a coach in the middle of the season. Um, so, so I, I don't think I would go there. I would definitely be using the back channels and contacting agents of coaches to, to gauge some interest at this point. I know that can leak out and that could get you in trouble, but I think you've got to at least put some feelers out there um, as, the, as the Big 12 season starts. You give them the season, you know, um, I mean, it's, anything's possible in college basketball in a COVID year. You never know. Um, if this team could turn around and by turn around, I mean, win six, seven big 12 games, I think, you know, maybe he saves himself if he does that, but you know, it's going to take, you know, approaching six or seven wins in this league, which is maybe the toughest it's ever been. It's got five top 20 ranked teams, top 10 ranked teams in Ken Palm in it right now. So um, it's just really hard to see 
even if this team improves, which I think they will, what that's going to look like because the league is so brutal. And um, so I, I would definitely, you know, I would, you know, you, in the public, I think you say Bruce is our coach and that's it. And, you know, hopefully this season turns around, you know, put on the good face. And I think that's what I would expect Gene to do. But I think you can start, you know, talking behind the scenes and seeing what coaches are out there and what might be interested in this kind of job. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with you. I don't think I don't think you can fire him midseason. I don't know how any school right now can fire anybody midseason. I just don't think – I don't think the money's there. Um, I don't know who you would get to replace unless it's one of, you know, the assistants that obviously plays an interim role. But I don't know. I mean, the money isn't there in the athletic department, and I'm not sure at K-State right now the money's there in terms of, you know, boosters. I don't think we have – it's been a weird last year that's yeah. kind of – we've lost some support across the board, I think. But um, I, I would agree. I mean, I think you have to be right now after this start. You have to be in the back channels looking towards – I mean, if it's me, I'm probably looking towards moving on at the end of the season, regardless of how far we improve in the second, you know, three-fourths of the season. I don't think it's going to be drastic enough for me to really – look, I like Bruce, but it's year nine. Yeah. I mean, yep. does he deserve two hard resets? I guess that's a question to ask. Does he deserve well, to have a second, you know, exodus see, of players where we have to start over again? I, I mean, I think if this if this year was the reset year, I think, you know, last year if he goes win six or seven Big 12 games and, you know, they, there wouldn't have been an NIT but would have been an NIT caliber team, because last year, to me, there wasn't there was enough talent left in Cardi, X, Mac, and Mike to field a team that should have been in the middle of the league. I agree. But we finished we finished in the bottom of the league. So that changes this year, which I think people kind of expected to be a reset year, mm-hmm. more so than last year. And now, I mean, you just compound the problem by having a team that finishes this bad this two years in a row. I mean, how, how can you ever get a fan base back? I just don't even, and you already had a fan base that was divided on the guy when he was doing well. Yeah. I just don't, I I don't know how you get it back. I think the levels of apathy for basketball right now are, I wouldn't say at an all time low, but they're reaching, they're certainly reaching levels of, you know, 2014 15 levels where you know it's not even anger anymore um it's more just like i didn't even know we were playing this day because i don't care and it's hard to get that back i don't know how i don't know how you reverse that trend on a coach that's you like you said been through such division already but um i don't know i mean it looks like at least at this point you know gene obviously hasn't acted um, which I think is wise. I don't, we both mentioned that a middle of the season firing or would probably be not the decision, not the way to move. But um, if he does move forward with it, you know, if he allows him to try to do this rebuild again, you know, and it doesn't work, how much does that cost us? I don't know. But yeah. let's try to, let's Good try question. to look forward a little bit and look a little bit more into the team in a micro level. Um, so tell the folks, you know, as a team, 
what do we do well right now? Well, if I anything, mean, <laughs> actually, the, the the encouraging thing is this team does shoot it pretty well for um, not just the Bruce team, but for a K State team. Um, like I said, I like to use effective field goal percentage, which factors in threes to your overall field goal percentage. This team right now is 52.4%, which would be the, the fifth best for a K-State team in the three-point era. So that's pretty good, 52% on twos so far this year, which would be top five. And 35% isn't quite top 10 in that era, but it's still solid. Um, a top 80 team in the nation in offense rebounding percentage. So offensively, there are a few things they do pretty well. Um, defensively, there's, I mean, right now there's really nothing they do particularly well on defense that I can point out that that would not be me lying. So um, I'll just say that, you know, I'm encouraged that um, we have a team that has some, some, some guys that look like they can be pretty good offensive pieces. Um, but then again, you know, part of that is you've got to look at who we played. Although Ken Palm does kind of adjust his rankings based on your strength of schedule a little bit, but still, uh, you know, shooting and, and offensive rebounding would be the easy two answers that, that can be backed up by stats right now. So where does the team need to improve going forward as a collective outside well, of, you know, we need to play better defense. Yeah, like, like I said before, the defense, um, um, the numbers that, that stand out, like I said, is uh, uh, shooting defense. Uh, again, there's, there's a lot of things that go into uh, shooting defense. Um, you know, one thing that stands out to me is, you know, if teams are shooting 56.5% on twos, that means they're getting either lots of shots in transition, um, fast breaks off turnovers, which is part of it, or they're just getting lots of shots around the rim and, and our uh, defense inside is just not very good. And our pressure defense on the outside is not very good. Um, so, you know, you have a kind of a, a mixture of all of those things happening to, to make that defense not very good. And it's not unexpected because, you know, you really don't have any experience in the post with your post players. So you'd expect them to kind of struggle. You really don't have experience on the perimeter either besides Mike McGurl. So, you know, that's, that's one thing. Um, another thing is, is the, the key to, to Bruce Weber defense, and really going back to Frank, the key to K-State defense for the last you know, 11 or 12 years, 20, or I guess it's longer than that now. This is, I, I always forget this is Bruce's ninth, ninth season. It's crazy. Still feels, like, still feels like five or six. So you take Bruce and Frank together and then Huggins, you're going back 15 seasons where the, the biggest key to K-State defense is turning – teams over how often uh, teams turn over the ball on the on their offense um, right now the the turnover rate forced for k-state is under 20 percent and a good one for k-state has been 22 to 24 uh, percent and the last five seasons k-state's been top 35 nationally and how often they turn over opponents and right now they're ranking 150 so you take that away from k-state's defense and then you you know you really teams are making shots on you, um, you know, that, that leads to the, to the blown up efficiency defense that we're seeing. So, you know, really, I would say primarily they've got to figure out how to pressure the ball and, and force some more turnovers. Um, and then hopefully that carries over into how well they defend shots. 
Offensively, it's the same thing. K-State's turning it over 22% of the time and ranks number 233 in the country right now in how often we turn it over. Um, and, you know, really, you've got to get that down to 20% or better. If you get that to 20% or better and keep shooting it, rebounding it, this could be, you know, maybe Bruce's best offense he's had at K-State besides perhaps his first year, which was a really good offense with Rodney Magruder. Um, but those those are really the things that stand out. But, you know, if, to me, if they don't fix the defense, the offense really doesn't matter because the defensive issues are, you know, going to really catch up with this team when Big 12 play starts if they're not careful. And I don't know what freaks me out more, the fact that Bruce has been here for nine years or <laughs> Bob Huggins was hired almost 15 years ago. Yes, yes. You're getting old, Grant. I'm getting old. It goes fast. <laughs> Let's break it down a little bit individually. Um, so I think we've got some players on the team that, you know, could really grow into some, you know, legit K-State guys. But I'd like to know from you, your perspective, who are your players of the season, you know, thus far? If I had to, if I had to pick kind of the co-players of the year, I'd pick Nigel, Nigel Pack and Mike McGurl um, as the top. Um, Nigel Pack, I think, is the key to this team because he can not only shoot it, but he can pass it and distribute. And, um, you know, he's got a great assist rate. He's, he's shooting it pretty well. And then we've seen, you know, in, in a couple of the games we've lost, when Pack struggles, K-State struggles. You know, the you know, game, the second half, he, could, he really struggled to make shots. You know, and that's a close game that, you know, was really a one-possession game with four or five minutes left that UNLV put away late because K-State couldn't take advantage of that. Um, so, but he's the key. I mean, he's, he's our best player. There's no doubt about it in my mind. Uh, Mike McGurl is, is solid. He's, he's, you know, first or second best player, depending on the night. Um, the problem is he probably needs to be the third or fourth best player on a, on a team for that team to be really good. Um, and that's not an offense to Mike. I just think that's who he is. He's, you know, not a primary guy. He's trying to lead. He's, he's the leading scorer on this team. He does everything he can, I think. He's solid on defense, probably not elite, but solid. Um, but I just don't think he has the makeup to be the guy. But those are my top two. And then, and then lately, you know, I, I would put Davian Bradford as a guy that's coming on. Probably the best potential for a young big that I can remember for, you know, since Dean, really. I mean, he's not the same type of player as Dean, not a freak like Dean, but for post skills, I mean, I, we just haven't seen a guy that looks like Bradford for a long time. Can catch it, finishes around the rim. Yeah, I think he's still trying to figure out how to rebound and defend a little bit, but I think he's going to be solid there as he gets, you know, more in tune with college basketball. So those three really stand out to me as, as the players of the year. You know, I'd throw Selton Miguel in there as, as being pretty good, especially lately. So those are guys I like. There's been some chatter about the sophomore class not really taking much of a step forward. How would you diagnose that statement? You think that's fair? Who needs to step up? I think that's fair. I think the the primary guy, and again, it's, it's pressure on a guy that probably doesn't deserve it, but the primary guy that needs to step up is is uh, Dewan Gordon. You know, he was he was really good against UMKC, his best game of the year, but he's been you know. He was okay against Drake and has been average or below in the, the, the rest of his games. The last two games have been not very good at all. 
uh, especially efficiency wise. He's been well below uh, a, an offensive rating of, of 0 0.70, which is bad. So um, they really need him to be probably number two. I mean, for this team to, to, to win any games in the Big 12, Gordon probably has to be the second best player on the team. And I don't, he just hasn't shown consistently that he's going to do that. You know, I think he was in foul trouble, but I think Bruce was sort of sending a message against Milwaukee when, when Dewan only played 16 minutes. So um, to me, that was pretty telling. Um, uh, Murphy, it's hard to tell because he, he's been hurt and he, you know, just doesn't look like the same guy that we saw yet last year before he was injured. And he's, he's been disappointing, but I don't know how much of that is his fault. And then Antonio Gordon, I, I appreciate that he hustles and he rebounds and rebounds really well at times, but he's not very good at defense and he likes to jack threes and, and it's not very good at making them. And so, you know, that leads to a guy that's not very efficient on your team. And so, you know, those for this team to make any progress this year, those three had to take big steps, probably all, at least two of the three, if not all three. And I don't know that any of them have shown to be any better than they were last year at this point. So, yeah, that's a, that's a big problem for this, for this group. Yeah. Day, uh, Gordon, Dejuan Gordon's been the most disappointing for me. I mean, obviously he probably had too much pressure on him coming in. Yeah. Um, no doubt about it, but I don't think he knows the type of player he is yet or yeah. who, the type of game he's supposed to be playing. So I don't know. I think it, it's a little bit of an identity issue, maybe, and maybe a little bit of an attitude issue. I'm not sure. But last question before I let you go, and we talked to DUI about an equally dire football team. <laughs> um, <laughs> who for you or what for you has been the biggest surprise this year within the basketball roster? Um, that's, I mean, number one, I'd say how good Pack has been because he's, I mean, I think he's legit as a, as a guy that could, I always think about, can this player become a first or second team, all big 12 caliber player. And I definitely think Nigel Pack can, and he's got that potential. So he's number one, but I've, I've also been encouraged by Rudy Williams, especially lately. It's probably better than I expected. And, and the key, the, to me is you just don't know about juco guards i mean we've brought in you know for going back to huggins and and young and you know earlby and guys like that under bruce i mean we've we've brought in juco guards that have were touted as maybe top five juco point guard in the country and they become role players at best at k-state and i don't know if rudy will be better than that but He's played pretty well lately, and I, I think he's, you know, shooting it from three a little bit and is a long guard that is nice to have. So he's probably been in a surprise. And then, again, Bradford, just because you never know with freshman bigs what they're going to be. Yeah, I really like Bradford. Um, his soft touch is what really stands out to me. I think, I think he's got a pretty decent ceiling that he might be able to reach. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. He reminds me of like just a, a truly big Gibson. Like he's got that, he doesn't have the power that Gibson, you know, carried with him, but Gibson always had a nice soft touch and a little short hook game on him down inside. So I think he can grow well, into a decent player. I really do. Well, I think, I think the comp 
is, you know, maybe is Kevin Samuel from TCU was kind of a three-star, three-star kid out of high school and was pretty good early at TCU and is maybe one of the best big men in the country, in the, the league right now. So, you know, that I, I'd say that's the, if, if Bradford could be even a, a decent version of Kevin Samuel, I'd be pretty happy. Yeah. I certainly wouldn't compare him <laughs> to Gibson as like a like for like, but yeah. In no, terms I, I, of I being, exci- yeah. in terms of being excited about a freshman and possible four-year big guy that looks to have, you know, the jib, the cut of the jib. I, I feel pretty yeah. excited about him. And Pac, man, that guy's a player. I think, you know, if these guys can stick around together for, you know, three, four years and actually, you know, buy into the program, regardless of who's, who's the leader, I think that they could, you know, the rebuild is possible. But, yeah, quite the risk. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be a long year, and um, I'm sure we'll have you back on to suffer through talking about it <laughs> once again. But um, right now, I'll let you go to enjoy your Sunday. Enjoy the Chiefs win, and uh, thanks for coming on. Tell the, people, tell the people where to find you. Uh, KSU underscore fan on Twitter, and I post more than I should on K-State online. So those two spots. Hey, they pay you, though, right? You know, they're yeah, they a little bit. They take care of me. DY's <laughs> DY and Flando are good guys. Yeah, check out K State Online, best place. And uh, hell, we're gonna talk to another K State Online guy next with Derek Young. Jimmy, take it easy, my friend. Thank you. Take it easy, Grant. Big time thank you to our boy Jimmy, um, KSU underscore command. Give him a follow on Twitter, and if you're not subscribed to K-State Online, you should get in there. Uh, Jimmy's always posting a lot of great statistical-based um, analysis, breaking down the Cats football, Cats basketball. Great guy overall, and he puts out a lot of really good stuff. Before we get to Derek Young, let's talk about our sponsors, Manscaped.com and, of course, Bet Online. Guys, head over to Bet Online. Um, it's the best place to be wagering on sports. Um, best sports uh, online sports book, no doubt about it. Um, they've got prop bets. They've got, um, I mean, great prop bets. You can bet on coaches. You can bet on players. You can bet on um, whatever the hell you want. Um, plenty of sports to bet on right now. NBA's in preseason. They're coming back soon. Um, playoffs are nearing for college football and NFL. Um, it's it's just a great time to be betting on sports. And of course, Manscaped.com. Head there, and they've got a bunch of great products in for, you know, manscaping yourself. Um, they've got the Weed Whacker, which is um, a nose hair and ear hair trimmer. They've got the Lawnmower 3.0, which has got the LED light on it. It's um, a really great trimmer. You can do it. It's waterproof. You can do it in the dark, in the shower, uh, whatever the hell you want to do. You can do it. Um, they've got their... Ball deodorants, they've got all sorts of great stuff. They have, I think they even have products for your feet. Um, they've got their great underwear, which is my number one pair of underwear that I wear. Um, I wish I had 10 pairs of them. So head to manscaped.com to use uh, promo code armchair, and you will get 20% off plus free shipping. Um, hit them up. Bet online, manscaped.com. Let's talk to Derek. Do, 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 transition music. We're back with Mr. Derek Young after a very cheery basketball talk with uh, Jimmy Goheen, the man from uh, K-State Online. Derek, what's up, man? I hope that your internet survives this episode. We're off to a rocky start. Uh, <laughs> I hope that it does as well, and it'll probably be spotty or we'll get lucky. 
Yeah, you might sound insane, like a robot that's on like 100x speed, but uh, we'll just get into it so we don't risk any horrible, you know, dropouts. So um, between a five-game losing skid and a large exodus of players, uh, how would you gauge the mood inside Veneer right now, today? Yeah, I mean, that's probably the question of the offseason right now, although we're not really in an offseason yet because bowl practice is happening, even though we haven't had a determination of what bowl game they will play in or if they will play in a bowl game, although I'm hearing that that it is still quite likely that they'll be playing in postseason and be having a bowl appearance. But in terms of the morale, we're going to have a great lot five consecutive games in the Big 12 and add on to the fact that it's been kind of a roller coaster of emotions within the program because of everything that kind of had to deal with um, in terms of some behavioral issues and, and stuff of that ilk um, that has contributed to the, I guess, attrition. So it's been rocky. It's So I would say the morale has definitely been better, but a way that I've also shared on other mediums is I'll put it like this way. Um, Usually things aren't as bad as what they seem to be. And when they're good, they're not as good as they seem to be. So I do think that the lot, the losing and, and some of the stuff that's kind of contagious has kind of exacerbated the issue. And I do think that there's probably a little bit of an issue, which they're kind of addressing. And because some of this attrition, I don't think is voluntary. I think some of it was quite encouraged. So I would say, um, obviously losing doesn't help, but I think it's exacerbated the issue and probably exaggerated it a little as well. Do you think the coaches are getting closer to correcting their culture problem inside the locker room or, you know, is the chemotherapy working on the cancer? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, some of it is they're just eradicating it. Um, some of the players that are leaving, that have, or they've kind of gone out the door um, kind of carried, I guess, the illness with them, so to speak, <laughs> if we're going to continue to talk in metaphors, although maybe it's not the best since COVID-19 is happening. But um, I do think that they're, they're, it's still a work in progress. I, I think that they kind of have some things to repair and things to resolve. But at the end of the day, I think that they've resolved some of it just by some players exiting, to be quite honest. You touched on it a little bit ago. Um, so we don't know officially if we're going to a bowl game yet, but what is, what are the whispers? What is it sounding like our destination could be? Yeah. I was kind of put to silence by someone that had kind of shared to me the information. So I can't get to details or at least the finer details, but I, I mean, I, I expect Kansas state to play in a bowl game, whether that's in Texas or Arizona, I'm not sure where, what that's going to be. I don't know if we have a hundred percent answer on that front, but as of now, recording this on Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock Central Time in Kansas, I think that Kansas State, the, the, the momentum is that they'll be playing in a bowl game probably around Christmas. So how has bowl prep been going as far as you know? I know we have some, some roster holes that are making it more difficult. Yeah. I would say that, I mean, it's going well, and I think they're kind of trying to make it fun, too, because obviously they know that some of these players have really been away from most people in their lives for an extended period of time just due to uh, kind of the isolationism that most of us have to practice because of COVID-19. Obviously, we hope that it doesn't 
is a prolonged much further. Hopefully it's by the end of the spring and we're not dealing with it as much on an intensive level, I guess I would say. But so I do think that they're kind of trying to make it as enjoyable as possible and not just all about their work. I think you've seen the kids State football Twitter account. We've seen some laser tag on it. Of course, maybe not you because I think you're banned from Twitter, but uh, <laughs> so that you've seen them play laser tag. We, we've seen them play kickball with the coaches as well. So I think they're trying to make it enjoyable. So I would say that, you know, I, I understand the thought that many fans have where they really don't want, they want the season to prolong in a bowl. And some people still see a bowl as a reward and maybe they don't think that Kansas State necessarily deserved one after a four and six campaign. But they're really there just are really going all forward just because of, you know, the practices that accompany a bowl game. So getting those 15 extra bowl practices is I just think something that they identified as critical in terms of the development and in terms of, you know, kind of rectifying and repairing the culture that may have went a little sideways, you know, in the last several months. I don't think, I think that they felt like they needed to stay together to get that jump started in the right direction and to get those practices in to help the younger guys that really had no development time at all um, before the season and during the season. In terms of how it's going, haven't heard a whole lot other than, you know, who's not there and who's not. Obviously, we've seen Riley Moore's not going to play in the bowl game. I don't think Shabastin Taylor's going to play in the bowl game. In terms of everything else, I'll probably wait closer to game time if there's anything else on that front. But, yeah, I, I mean, there's a chance they'll, they'll be just as thin, if not thinner, than they were against Texas, which is a little bit of an eye-opener, but they, they felt that the practices were that important. I mean, anyone that thinks that K-State shouldn't go to a bowl game because they don't deserve it is fucking stupid as dog shit. So uh, we need all the, any extra game is beneficial, especially those extra practices. But uh, you mentioned it, Briley Moore, you know, he officially declared today for the draft as expected. You know, nobody's surprised there. Any whispers of big names and players um, on this team that will not be returning that you know of that you're willing to share? Yeah, we're probably talking seniors on that front, obviously. Right. And Bradley, yeah, Bradley Moore was one of the first ones to kind of make that declaration. But I also think that they'll be without – I don't think Brock Monty's coming back. He was a senior safety. I don't think A.J. Parker's coming back. He's a senior corner. Um, I don't think that uh, – I guess I'm – Wyking Gill's obviously already put his name in the transfer portal. He, he's, a, he's another one, obviously. I don't know Blake Lynch. And I would lean towards John McPherson returning. Like I said, like I said, AJ Parker's probably not coming back. I'm not sure on Keandre Thomas. Uh, I'm not sure on any of the three linebackers, though. There sounds like more of a possibility than I thought in regard to Elijah Sullivan. I would be surprised if Boone Massey didn't come back. I think there's a chance that he'll return. Drew Wiley, who's probably going to be an All-B-12 first-team defensive tackle. I think he's played his last season in Manhattan. I don't expect him back next year. Noah Johnson could return. Um, Harry Trotter, I think, already said won't. Tyler Burns, I'm not so sure. And, and the big question will be Skyler Thompson, right, at the quarterback position. If I was to guess, and I've kind of shared it, you know, I think on Twitter even, and, and also on the site, but I think there's a uh, there's a lot of people operating as if Skyler Thompson will be back. Will. Uh, I would like that very much. Um so let's talk. You're the recruiting man. You've got your ear to the ground with the transfer portal and recruiting. So you, you're the expert. 
um, and the transfer portal is overflowing at the moment with players. Um, what is the latest on uh, transfer targets that um, you're willing to share with the public rubes? I think, I think, yeah, I think the only specific one that is, I've really pinned down is that their pursuit of Northern Iowa corner, Xavier Williams, and obviously someone that could probably play corner or nickel, and they're going to need all the secondary help that they can get because that's where much of the exodus came from. Uh, the positions that are headed by Van Loon and Joe Klanderman on the defensive side of the ball. Um, in terms of everything else, it's uh, you know hard to come by, to be quite honest. And just because signing day is on Wednesday, December 16th, doesn't mean that's when we'll know anything and everything about transfers. Obviously, that is a fluid situation that can go through however much time. Um, if they want to be on campus for spring football, then they just need to be enrolled for the semester. And I don't think the semester starts until the end of January. So there's a still a considerable amount of time really for some of these transfers to make those types of decisions. And I think that's why we haven't heard a bunch on that, on that front. And maybe that's something we hear more about after signing day. I guess I'll, I'll just pump the brakes on any fans if, if they haven't read on our site already. Um, and they should if they haven't, and they should sign up. But if they if they haven't, then I guess one thing that I would put out there for, for the mass public to know is that, um, and I think this is the case for many programs, not just Kansas State. I think many Power 5 programs are going to start to have more of this approach, is I don't know that you're going to see them you know, jump at this uh, former highly decorated recruit at a big-time school that because most of those, believe it or not, are in the transfer portal for the same reason that a lot of Kansas State's players are. And those aren't always the greatest reasons. And they probably are just didn't, weren't productive because they couldn't crack the starting rotation and they're disgruntled because of it. Um, that's a lot of the transfer portal. I think you'll see more focus generated by Kansas State and other Power 5 programs towards players that are in the transfer portal that have already been productive and have already shown a habit of hard work and dedication and, and just want you know, a better platform to showcase their skills. And I think that's why you're seeing more FCS trans, more and more FCS transfers make the jump to the Power 5 level. And if you haven't noticed, many of those are, have been more successful than actual Power 5 to Power 5 transfers. Yeah, I'm absolutely okay with that route as well. I mean, I'd much rather take the chance on a guy that's got something to prove than a guy that's willing to, you know, jump out because he's no longer the best player on the team and he has to work to get into his spot. So um, any recruiting, fresh recruiting nuggets you'd like to share? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's actually been more quiet than you'd expect at this time of the year. I just don't think they have a ton of high school spots left. And I do think that there's a chance because of the frozen clock that we're under right now, the frozen eligibility clock, Technically, everybody that counts against the 85 scholarship limit in the 2021 season at every school will have another year of eligibility. Their eligibility won't expire, which that means there's no 2022 spots technically available for any school in the country. So that's going to be kind of something to maneuver for each program. And I think there's a chance that many programs could do to kind of help alleviate that pressure and heat and to kind of expand that 2022 class a little bit is to maybe not use your full allotted 85 in this upcoming season. And because let's, let's say you're at 78, 79, you could be content there if you have 
eight seniors come back because technically you have more than 85 on scholarship, but only 78 or 79 count. And then you could take those six or seven left over, roll them up into 2022, where numbers are very, very small. And for Kansas State, I think it might be a wise strategy for them in particular because it's a very, very loaded class in 22, both in Kansas and Missouri um, locally. And they're going to want to, you know, have as many scholarships as they can to kind of reap the benefits of a strong local group once again. And so I could see them using that approach. And I think that's part of the reason, perhaps, that we have not heard as much noise in the recruiting trail at this time of the year than we have. Man, it sounds really fun to navigate through going forward. Yeah, so the Cats, I mean, yeah. It's fucking stupid. Cats finished four and six overall, four and five in the Big 12. From your professional objective point of view, how do you interpret the health of this program going forward? What's your confidence in climbing and rebuilding this program after a uniquely difficult second year? Yeah, I think they've had their strong points. Most of that was in the first year. I think they've done something right, even this year. And I think they, they would probably admit there were some things that they didn't do right. And maybe that has them set, set them back a year. I still have full faith in what they're trying to do. Um, I think it's going to be tougher than maybe they – thought. Um, we'll see. I, I still think that it's headed in the right direction and they can really, I still think, coach their butts off. But I think that they have some more cleaning up to do that they didn't anticipate. And I think some of that is um, just, it was a unique year, obviously. And I don't think that they were able to have their hand and foot on the pulse as much as they would like. And I think that led to some areas of concern that they now have to address in this off season. So um, they probably won't agree with this, but I think that they'll probably set them back a year in their rebuild. Um, and they probably have more to rebuild now than they did before in, in some cases, just because of the attrition and, and some of the behavioral stuff that um, I'm not trying to place blame, but obviously that happened under their watch too. So I still think it's in good health, and I keep saying that, but they have more work to do than probably they imagined at this point. I would agree. I mean, I don't think I would really say a whole lot different than what you just said. It's hard to really, you know, it's hard to put a get the feeling of what, you know, the fan base actually feels, you know, on the pulse of, of climbing overall because – you get certain you get you hear certain narratives over and over from very loud voices and those are in echo chambers like twitter like message boards and it's just hard to tell from a year after year two i was always concerned about you know year two was probably going to be a down year we're probably going to take a step back will the fans have the patience to allow that type of direction and in year two and a lot most people don't really pay attention to that shit like that, the roster details, knowing like it's going to be a tougher year in year two and now add mm -hmm. COVID into it and all the um, other shit that's happened this year. It's hard to tell what the gauge actually is from the fan base. And I don't know. I mean, it's been a rough. Yeah. And I would, I would just say this and some of us, myself included, because we don't really know We've never been in this situation before, as not just in football or Kansas State, but just uh, what everyone's dealing with when it comes to COVID-19. Pandemics are once in a generation type thing, obviously. 
And so I imagine that we may be also underestimating um, or overestimating, I guess, it depends which way you want to look at it, just the health of the roster in the locker room because there's a part of me in the back of my mind, and I think this about the country nationwide, that thinks a lot of this stuff, this existential stuff could be repaired by the snap of a finger just when the world kind of returns to normal. Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty reasonable. People, it will remove so many just lingering stressors that are causing mm-hmm. all these breaks that wouldn't normally be there. So on one hand, you know, it's it gives me a little hope. But on the other hand, it's terrifying because what if it could be – this isn't even – I mean, I'm not going to downplay COVID by any means. Trust me, yeah. I'm not going to do that. But what if it was like truly a legit like – fucking world ending pandemic how easy how easily society just breaks jesus christ people are just so weak we're so weak yeah i mean well i i would contribute a lot of i mean every program went through it so i and i hear that from fans all the time and that's totally the case and obviously some navigated it better than others and yeah players navigated it better than others at certain schools and there were certain different situations and Kansas State probably pushed through some weeks a little bit harder than others. So, but the results are what they are. And now that they, they have to deal with those and we're headed into a pretty critical off season for, for this coaching staff. I would agree. That's all I have for you today. I actually got one more question. What's yeah. one thing you want for Christmas? Ooh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not a big gift getter. Yeah. Are those real AirPods yeah. that you have in your ears? I want some AirPods. That would be fucking awesome. But uh, I'm, like, I'm not getting you. Any. That's okay. I'm not asking for them from you. Um, I'd like a K-State bowl win. How about that? Something positive. There's yeah, been uh, there's been two wins in K-State sports since the beginning of November. I I think so. Not looking good. Um, but that's it. Thanks for coming on. Um, tell the people where to find you. I think they already know. But why don't you read yeah, it for them? Uh, Twitter's the Young Rivals. I'm on K-State online. You haven't subscribed, you should, especially with sign day right around the corner. I agree. That's the best part about KSAN Online, in my opinion, is the recruiting uh, information that comes straight from you. So thank you for coming on. Um, hopefully we can get together soon, drink some bourbon, um, talk about yeah, some I've things other than, than you. how – shut the fuck up. You, are, <laughs> you have never influenced me. Anyways, uh, thanks for coming on, buddy, um, and we will talk to you later. Thank you. Special thank you again to Jimmy, Goheen, and Derek Young for joining the show today. Two really good guys and uh, really smart guys that cover K-State athletics. Um, Absolutely best in the business. If you want to have the most up-to-date, the most accurate reporting on K-State, really anything football and basketball, that's the place to find it, kstateonline.com. And particularly for recruiting, Derek Young is the best in the business. And uh, Jimmy... Great guy. He puts out a lot of awesome stats-based analysis. Just really good stuff. Head to kcnonline.com and um, subscribe to hear more from those two gentlemen. Thank you guys for listening. Um, I hope everybody is having a good holiday season. Remember to look out for one another, wear your masks, and uh, distance distance each other, especially with the holidays uh, coming up soon. I hope everybody has a great holiday season. And thank you for listening. Meet me at the cat
your daddy home? Did he go and leave you all alone? I got a bad desire. Tell me now, baby, is he good to you? Can he do to you the things that I do? I can take you high. Oh, I'm on Someone took a knife, baby, edgy and dull And dug a six-inch valley through the middle of my skull At night I wake up with the sheets soaking wet And a freight train running through the middle of my head Only you can cool my desire Network.